Hello and welcome to another episode of The Clever Kids. This is a weekly podcast where three brothers take a look at a topic from popular culture that you may or may not care about. My name is Tyler. You got Brian here. And you got Jeff as well. Uh, This week we are talking about the 1981 fantasy epic Clash of the Titans, directed by Desmond Davis, written by Beverly Cross, starring... Lawrence Olivier and Harry Hamlin, Maggie Smith and Claire Bloom, Ursula Andrus, Pat Roach, Susan Fleetwood. I do want to quickly point out that oh, and Burgess Meredith Meredith is in this. He's uh, what is uh, Mick? He's Mick from the Rocky movies, and then he also plays the Riddler in the nineteen sixty six Batman movies. Um, someone that uh bridges all three movies we talked about pat roach also happens to be the guy uh he's in all three of the movies that we talked. actually i think he's not in conan the barbarian i think he's in conan the destroyer unfortunately but he's also the guy that we talked about i think last week where who boxes um indiana jones on top of the plane in raiders of the lost ark He's in this movie, too. He's in all three movies that we talked about, and I didn't know that. He just, like, connects the thread. He was just a big hulking man in the in the early 80s, I guess. So he got he was in Willow. He was in uh, Conan the Destroyer, not Conan the Barbarian. And then uh, also Clash of the Titans. Um, wow. I do quickly want to say that the main star of this movie, um, not to go unannounced, is... Uh, Ray Harryhausen, who is the stop motion special effects designer who did all of the special effects in this and uh, Jason and the Argonauts or whatever, Jason and the Search for the Golden Fleece or whatever that movie is. Um, very prolific in the 70s and 80s, kind of like ran the ran this whole stop motion thing. Um, he was trained by the guy who did the original King Kong stop motion special effects in the in the 50s. Um I just wanted to quickly shout out that I feel like he's the real star of this movie because I really love his special effects stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, Jeff, you're the one that um, picked this movie and the topic that we'll be discussing. So why don't you give us a quick plot summary and bring us in to the discussion? Sure. Uh, so this story kind of loosely follows the Greek myth of uh, Perseus, who... Uh, Essentially, there's a, a Greek commander of Argos who angers the gods. And uh, because of that, Zeus decides to impregnate his wife. Uh, the king, Acrisius, decides to instead uh, throw his pregnant wife, uh, I guess she's got the child at that point, into the sea in an in a, uh, uh, ebony coffin, which uh, Zeus then makes sure it's protected to, to, as it goes to shore. And brings down the city of Argos. That child ends up growing up and becoming this fabled hero. Uh, at the same time, another kingdom's under the ire of uh, another goddess named Thetis, who is going to destroy the the city unless, um, well, is just going to destroy the city. Perseus decides that he wants to try and save the city and the princess, who he is now in love with, uh, by going to collect the Gorgon Medusa's head. How was that? Yeah, I, I would say that that's pretty good. I mean, I think that it's one of those things where um, people know very specific parts of um, like the Perseus myth, right? Perseus versus Medusa, Medusa being the big part or that Perseus rode the Pegasus. Um, I think that this does a better job of kind of capturing that Greek epic tale um, that that I think a lot of, you know, I guess like books that you would read would just kind of touch on the very specific part, right? It's like, oh, here's the hit from this, you know, here's the big monster that he fights at the end or whatever. And I think that this does a very interesting job of like showing the competition uh, from like with the gods, like how they all kind of bicker and don't like each other you know what i mean and i'll kind of like try to stab each other in the back and like one up each other and stuff um i really like that i like that it shows uh the politics of like the different greek city states i think that it's interesting to see 
um, I don't know, just like the overarching na- narrative that like a Greek tale would spin, right? Or would follow. And I just, yeah, I think that it's, I like this movie quite a lot. Brian, how did you feel? I'm conflicted because my initial reaction was that I don't like when these Greek myths get a bunch of crap added to them, like beyond the actual original story. Um, I always feel like there's enough there and, and that the stuff I've never seen stuff get added that actually enhances the story or like stays true to stuff. And, and so that was my original thought. However, I will say some of the things, maybe it's just cause this is old timey to me that I found some of the stuff kind of endearing. So like on one hand, it kind of bothered me. On the other hand, I was kind of like, you know, embracing of it just because, you know, I think with these old timey movies, you, you know, the quality is just so low compared to what we see now. I just, that sometimes I you love gotta... that you call it old timey movie. Like our dad was 21 when this movie came out. <laughs> yeah. And our dad is retirement age in his 60s. So this is yeah, definitely but that's old-timey. not that old it's is what four I'm saying. Decades. It's almost half you call a century. Star Wars old timey because it's yeah, five years the, earlier. The original, than this. the original Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, t- totally old timey. Not okay. even debatable. Well, Go fuck yourself. The um, crazy thing to me that really kind of blew my mind is like a high level observation is I was like, wait, is this 1981 or 1951? Like what, what year was this movie made? Like it, it just, it didn't feel like that much time it, or like that much technological innovation had passed. Uh, it, it's from crazy. Really old stuff. And then now think- you see leaps and bounds, you know, in quality. It's just, you know, technology just really accelerates over time. Well, think of a movie that came out in 2013. Like, I can't think of one right now, but like, I bet if you watched it right now, the special effects wouldn't be that bad compared to like today's special effects. You know what I mean? But this came out nine years before I was born. And it's like, it's, it's a big leap has happened between there and the nineties. You know what I mean? Like, it's like a, it's an astronomical, uh, jump. Um, it's uh yeah i will say though that there is something beautiful about that stop motion special effects work that harry or ray harryhausen does um did you not like it i kind of did i found it like i didn't like it not staying true to original myths i but i did find it kind of endearing from a sense of like Oh, that wasn't like the worst old movie I've ever seen. It's kind of Wait, it was kind of endearing in its own way. I have a question here that I think Jeff, you might be able to push up on. Like everybody adds, like the the whole point of the Greek myths is that they were passed down through the verbal tradition and then like collated into written text later on, right? Yeah. And like you think that there was any one true source that was passed down that this is bastardized? Like I, I feel like there's nothing different that this guy that no, the I director mean, of this or the writer of this was doing. There are to... multiple Greek myths that we have that have been recovered from multiple different prominent poets at the time that tell different versions of the story of events. For example, um, uh, the story of Medusa. I'll actually bring it up later. Um, is told from like two major perspectives with some clear differences in how they were told and how they represent the character and whether or not she's actually um, a victim or whether or not, I don't know, there's, there's, there's a lot to be said there, but absolutely. Um, as these stories get told from, from one person to the next, when we look back in history and look at them, it's very clear that uh, it depends on the person who is telling the story when you take that into effect. So yeah, I don't, but it doesn't bother me that much when we're talking about an adaptation, because I do think it is kind of like that filmmaker's addition to that story. Yeah. I don't, I just don't see an issue with it. And I also think it's, I'll say this, sorry to interrupt you. It was more true to the stories than the more recent versions. Yeah. Then so clash of the Titans, 2013 or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Those go way off the rails. This one, the biggest one to me was, um, uh, the role of Hera seemed like it was kind of get split between two women um, and or like her role in the original story. And then the other thing was, I didn't even know who Calibos was. I'd never even heard of that character. You know, the whole I didn't uh, look him up. Is is he from the myth? 
I don't, I, I maybe like to your point, there's, there are some that have them or something. I, I don't know. I didn't recognize the character at all. And I feel like I'm usually pretty versed in this stuff. So I, I tentatively want to say that he was made up, but um, I'm, I'm not hundred percent confident in that. 2010 is the, or is the one that uh, was Sam Worthington. And then 2012 is the, is Clash of the Titans two, whatever that was called. Wrath of the Titans, I believe. Um, a movie that uh, I think, if I remember right, Jeff was your favorite movie when we were when you were in high school. That uh, wrong? That's wrong. <laughs> but it was up there for you, wasn't I it? I mean, Brian and I enjoyed watching that film. It was one of the films that Brian and I enjoyed putting on when we fell asleep. But no, I would never put this above my other favorite movies. But in high school, you hadn't watched Shawshank Redemption or whatever. I definitely seen. I definitely seen Goodwill Hunting. But if you'd asked me in high school, my answer probably would have been Revenge of the Sith. Uh, yeah, it's a good movie. And it came out when you were like, what, a freshman? Maybe even 13, 12, just, like 2006. So eighth grade. Um, yeah, that movie is good, though. Um, I, Jeff, what did you, why did, what made you choose this movie specifically? It's an excellent question. Well, you said you wanted to watch 1980s fantasy movies. And so I decided to pick one that would fit firmly into that kind of genre, right? I mean, I could have gone with, I don't think, I think Jason and the Darkonauts, I don't remember if that one fit or not, but I wanted to watch this one because I wanted to get the comparison. I know that we all enjoyed, or at least talked about um, the 2011 version. I figured that this would be a fun comparison between the two. Um, but at the same time, like this does represent that campy 80s style of claymation and poor green screen works and all of that, that at the time people were like, yeah, this is awesome. Um, I got to tell you, man, the claymation stuff fucking worked for me. I can't, so I, I want, I, I like want, I got so happy seeing it. Cause I hadn't seen a movie with like that sort of special effects work in so long that I went back and watched like Jason and the Argonauts. I went back and watched like a bunch of them after this, because it was just like, I gotta, like, I love this shit. Like it's so well choreographed in my mind, like for the time, you know what I mean? Like there's a scene where the wolf lunges and, and Jason ducks under it and then swings. And then like at the same time that he swings the dog, one of the dog's heads, like, like dodges that. I was like, wow, the, this, it like, it was all in one shot. You know what I mean? They had to have had that so perfectly planned and blocked, you know, letting like the stage direction of it had to be like, so perfectly done. I was just, I was genuinely like, it's like very, very impressive. It's like when you watch those old clips of Charlie Chaplin and it's like an amazing scene of stuff. And you'd like, at first you're like, oh, well, that's not that big of a deal. And then you're like, oh, wait, they didn't have any technology to help. No, them they then. must have done that for real. Like the yeah. house, like uh, I always think of, it's not Charlie Chaplin, but it's another, uh, I think it's Buster Keaton. There's like a, he's building himself a house, right? And he puts up a wall and then he turns around and the wall falls down and it just, the window just perfectly goes over him they filmed that for real like a man literally had to stand there and a wall fell over him like how bold and brave you know what i mean one miscalculation and you're fucked (laughs) and it's just like i love that shit like there's just something beautiful about it Um, I, i think um I think one of the things that also was kind of like the opening scene of this film or one of the opening sequences is Zeus cursing Argos and, and flooding it with water. And there's a couple of different ways that they filmed it with like people getting washed away. But some of it was clearly they just filmed water falling over something and they superimposed the water on top of it. And I was like, yeah, this is clearly fake. Like those people that were running on screen just laid in the ground and then they CGI the water going over it. I guess you can't even use the term CGI, but they superimposed the water going over it. Yeah, it's called but at composite. the same time, at, at the same time, it didn't bother me. Like I don't no. get any kind I of like effect. <laughs> like if I go watch, uh, what was that fucking got off a movie? The, the end of the world of 2012. I think it was just called 2012. Um, I, you guys bought that for me on DVD and gave it to me as a birthday present, a joint birthday present from you guys. When you guys were in high school, I, I still have the DVD here unopened. I have not opened it. It's still wow. in the plastic. at my house I right now. Give you another gift. You know what? <laughs> I haven't gotten rid of it though. So that's saying something. I kept it all this time yeah, since 2012. Like it's made it no, so it many houses. I did not throw it away. I've thrown, you cherished like, it so much you never watched it one day. Anyway, I in that film. I never will. Unless like, the world ends and I just have a DVD player and that movie has made it. By then, you're going to wish that you had watched it. It's not a tutorial. <laughs> no, it's yeah. not. Anyways. Of like, how to drive a limo The special effects of 
<laughs> the special effects of like that tsunami hitting that like it didn't do anything for me like this one got the point across i was like yes yeah, something's being washed away cool like i didn't need to see it in ultra high definition and watch bones and blood and i was like yeah cool point made next scene like effective form of storytelling thank you for providing it and let's let's move on to the next like it was what it needed to be and i, I enjoyed it yeah um did you guys catch how many like i thought it was so interesting to see how the 2010 version had reinterpreted parts of this one like the calib calibus guy is clearly the one that was like his father who had forsaken yeah, him Acrisius. in the tw- 2010 one right um uh lawrence olivier as as zeus saying release the kraken and he says it so calmly he like looks at that and goes release the kraken but like then you look at the 2010 one and it's that like awesome soundbite of release the cracker. Yeah, of Liam Neeson just like aggressively like yelling it. Um I thought that was interesting. I thought that their version of uh Mount Olympus was like clearly just like a white room, <laughs> which was fun. I was just like, wow, this this is like the lowest budget part of this entire movie, this like weird white room that they have the gods in. Um Whereas, I mean, the 2010 one is probably even weirder and honestly worse. It's a white room that they just made everything glow a little bit, uh, which was weird. They put like an Instagram filter over it. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Did you guys see anything that that caught your eyes to like got directly referenced in the 2010 remake or that you thought the 2010 remake did better? Uh, just the action sequences, but I don't think you can well, really compare those two things. <laughs> not fair. Yeah. No, it's just different time. I, you know, they, the I, I got to acknowledge I've had a long running joke that that uh, Clash of the Titans is great. It's not. It sucks. But but at the same time, it's uh, you know, can the I action sequences you? are cool. Other than that, it's just it has the advantage of being more modern. I think we talked about this maybe on the podcast, but I rewatched both of those movies a couple months ago. And uh, I thought they were bad when they came out, but man, they are, <laughs> they do not hold up. They're like worse now than I remember them being. I like it though. I still, it's in the, in the same way that I love like Van Helsing. I know it's a bad movie. I know it's bad, but I still like have, I watched, I've seen that movie more than most movies. <laughs> um, I just, I don't know. I like that. I like Clash of the Titans. Um I, I think it's the it's the charisma of the actors that I keep going back for though. Um, cool. Well, did Jeff? Did you have any thoughts that you wanted to bring up about this movie before so we move on to your topic? One of the things that that jumped out to me was the character of Andromeda. I felt like was used way more efficiently in this older film than in the old one, other than the new one. Like. In this newer film, she has agency. She steps up and is like, no, I'm in fucking command of this city and I get to decide whether or not I'm coming with you and I'm going to fucking be there by your side when we go to face the... Like, she is... Whereas in the 2011 one, she just, like, on house arrest for three quarters of the film. Um, yeah. Well, don't they replace her with Athena no, it's in that one? Io. They Io. And is is it uh, Gemma Arterton or whatever? Yep. Strawberry Fields from Quantum of Solace. Yep. Um. Yeah. What? She's Io. Yeah. Is that so right? I- isn't Io the one that becomes a cow? Yeah. Io is. Io is one of. I think it was supposed to be Zeus's first betrayal or first like step out of his of his marriage with the mortal. Um. And when Hera cleared the clouds to see him, he had turned her into the cow, and she easily saw which one she knew it was that he was fucking and so she cursed the cow to run forever um, <laughs> i like the idea that she clears the cow the, the thing it's just like wow you were f- fucking a cow <laughs> you fucking freak what the hell's wrong with you <laughs> sorry that's probably not that funny but <laughs> so either way um i thought that like her role in this first film was strong of like a strong female character and i'm saddened that we didn't get a a modern interpretation of that same character yeah i liked it too i I genuinely was like wow that that's like specifically like a strong choice for a female character in a movie that's this old yeah you know what i mean like 
I mean, to be honest, this movie looks older than it is, right? I think I can appreciate it because they're doing like an older style, right? At this point, Star Wars has come out in 1977, four years prior, right? ILM, the company that George Lucas developed, like created changed the game at this point right like people were like or every production house special effects house was trying to replicate what ilm had created for star wars at this point um ray harryhausen this is i think his last movie and basically he wanted like it was his star power it was his ability as a special effects producer to kind of get this movie made and I think it's the last movie that really uses this sort of claymation, stop motion, special effect to the degree that that it does. Um, and I think it looks at, like if we had watched this movie in 1981, I'd be like, wow, that movie looked old as shit, you know. But how, being so far removed from it at this point, 40, what, 40 years, 30 years, what are we? No, 40 years. Um, I can look back at it, look back on it fondly. But I would have to compare it to movies from, like, the early 70s. Well, I mean, I agree with everything you said. One of the things one of the other things I think they got right was that I appreciated going back and watching movies from, like, the 60s and 70s. A lot of the protagonists are not muscular. Like, Charlton Heston with his shirt off just looks like a dude. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, even Sean Connery uh, in, like, those early James Bonds, he's, like, considered, like, the uh like ideal physical form he was like a champion bodybuilder at that time and like he's not he has like zero muscle definition they're just it's what that it's that barrel chested is like that look you know what i mean they look this like broad chest they look like they've been working in a field they don't look like they've been lifting weights you know but yeah and this protagonist harry hamlin he's got muscle definition he's just walking around the screen and you can see his triceps you can see his biceps and i appreciated it like that's that's my image and and whether or not it's a false male body image or not uh that's what i picture when i picture a greek hero that's out there fucking wrestling with gods um sure that's the shit that i want to see and i was like i appreciated it to, to, to go back this far and go wow they actually chose someone and that person probably put in work to to look buff you know what i liked about this one that um that i appreciated is that there wasn't like a like you know, like Hades is the like almost the main antagonist of the next of yeah. the the of remake. The remake. I like that his antagonist was just like that weird. Uh, what was what that was is. the character's name? No, Colosimo, the Calibos? monster man. Calibos or whatever. Calibos. I like that. That was like his antagonist. Thetis was working against him, but she wasn't like an antagonist, right? Well, she was just like. She was influencing events from sure. behind the scenes. That's, Whereas like Hades, I felt like was like an active participant as an antagonist they, in they, the film. No, is that Hades is right? basically I mean, just a drop a in replacement. So like Hades shows up and murders his parents because they're defacing the statue of Zeus. That does happen. But Hades is the one who puts the curse on the town that the Kraken will come unless they sacrifice the daughter. Hades is the one who visits Calabos and tells him that his son is still alive and that he should go kill him and gives him power to uh, empower Calabos, such a Christius, to, to go out and do shit. Um, and in the end, uh, uh, Sam Worthington channels lightning to, to wound Hades, but um, it's almost a drop in replacement for Thetis's role here. Thetis, everything that Thetis does in this film, Hades does in the next one, but Hades does also a little bit more. What did you guys think of Thetis in this? I mean, I'm assuming you recognized her. Yeah, Minerva. Brian, any thoughts on Thetis in this film? Oh, did you say Minerva, Jeff? Yeah. You kind of triggered, triggered Min- it for sorry. me that McGonagall Minerva McGonagall. I guess I, yeah. that's funny because she yeah, I was like, Minerva God. is a great goddess. I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, did you not notice time. it was her? I did. I did. Yeah. It's just, uh, okay. you, that's why I brought it up. Was like I heard her voice. I was like doing something. I was, I, maybe I was like looking down on my phone and I heard her voice. And I was like, what the fuck is McGonagall in this movie? Yeah. I think Holy that's, shit. That's, that's Dave Maggie Smith. That's crazy. Maggie Smith. That's right. Uh, um, she's fine. I, I mean, she, she looks young. Looks, she got better Super at acting young. later on. But <laughs> Did she? Um, I still feel like anyone could play most of the roles that she's in. Although I have not watched... Uh, whatever Downton Abbey or whatever that shit was called. I uh, see that shit either. She's apparently in. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, 
she, she was fine. I, uh, I, I want to ask, um, <clears throat> do you guys think the way this movie, like staying this true to the original myth could be made today into a movie with, and mainly I'm focusing on the Zeus and Zeus's, uh, portrayal of like, it was very true to the original Zeus, which is like, you know, oh, I'm going to trap my daughter in a box so that nobody can have sex with her. Zeus finds a way, <laughs> like literally visits her and like essentially, you know, takes advantage of her. Gives her a golden shower. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The original, the OG one <laughs> and, uh, and impregnates her in like his character portrayal, like all the other characters barely even question it. They're just like, yeah, Zeus just is a philanderer. Like, don't they make jokes about him? Do, do like to him trying to do it to them at one point where they're like, yeah, he, he appeared to me as like a golden goose. And they're like, did you, it's just like, I would never or something like that. I was <laughs> I like, that, I, think. I feel like that. That's how they, the women enter the scene was like some sort of comment about it. That's what I was. I was busy doing something. I was probably taking care of my son at that point. Cause we watched this together, but um, yeah, I, uh, I feel like they made some sort of comment about it. I just, that, the fact, like, those Greeks with their crazy stories about Zeus are, and like, he's the king of the gods, and he's just, like, openly raping their women. And they're like, yeah, well, we have to worship him. It's it's bananas, to be honest. It's very strange. It's a very strange uh, system of belief that they had. Uh, not that the one that rules our country is any more normal, but... Um, I think that's a good very strange segue there because today's topic that I wanted to discuss using this film as the uh, I don't know benchmark is what is the most tragic of the Greek myths um, as most people who are familiar with Greek myths know Greek myths know Zeus is not a good person most of the gods are not good people um, and most of the Greek myths have to do with normal humans just trying to live their lives <laughs> and getting absolutely uh besieged upon by gods so i'm curious i i know brian has strong feelings about one character in particular so i'm going to ask tyler first if you have one that you would like to well i have a big one to go head to head with brian so i'm going to hold that one back and i'm going to just maybe we could talk about some of the smaller really tragic ones first so i'm thinking things like Sisyphus being forced to um, roll the ball up the hill all day, every day, clearly like a metaphor for, you know, man's toil, right? Um, I think that one's pretty tragic. I can't even remember. What is Sisyphus he's, guilty he's of? He's a trickster in life. Yeah. So, he was so not Sisyphus, a good person. Yeah. So he was, he was a king who would constantly find ways to break the codes that the gods had set. Uh, and then get away with it and be like, no, no, no. See, the guy, he was doing this. And, and so that way I'm, I'm innocent. And the guy's be like, ah, I don't like that. And he'd be like, that's okay. And then like 10 times later, they'd be like, ah, <laughs> you're not a good person. And so his final trick was trying to uh, become immortal. And the gods were like, oh, you're trying to become immortal? Perfect. <laughs> and um, gave him immortality, but also gave him a boulder uh, to push up the hill and said, as soon as this boulder is at the top of that hill, you will be free and to, to enjoy your immortality. But the boulder's cursed to always roll away. That's a good one. I see. I tragic, tragic. All he wanted was, you know, to be successful in life. Self-inflicted. What about Prometheus being tied to a stone and a hawk comes in, cut, guts you, and eats an, your liver every I w- single day? I would argue, not fair, not just, but self-inflicted. All, but because he wanted to help people. <laughs> no, because he wanted to defy the dude that said, don't do that or I will jack you shit up. <laughs> <laughs> don't help people. I mean, to be like, fair, well, I want to help people. If the supreme being told me not to do something, I'm not going to freaking do it. So to be fair, Prometheus, like, while I do think that his, his is a great story, so the, the, there's this ancient battle for the listeners that don't know between the Greeks and the Titans called Titanomachy. And after the gods win, they just release the worst punishments. They just get real creative and just fuck up the entire Titan ranks. Prometheus is the only one who is who is forgiven. And then Prometheus later steals fire, which is a metaphor for technology, and, and gives it to the human race for them to then have societal advancement. Um, and 
Hercules, yeah, or, or not Hercules, Jesus, uh, Zeus's punishment was to chain him to a boulder or to a side of a cliff face where he then gets his liver picked out and then he dies and then he wakes up the next morning and it starts all over again. Um, Prometheus watched all of his siblings get tortured with all these creative tortures. So like him saying, yeah, that dude, I'm going to defy him is is pretty dumb. Huge mistake and it's self-inflicted. <laughs> so so here's the, here's the ones that come into my head. I think... Like I, I go hard for Hercules. I can make that debate no problem in my sleep. Um, I will also throw out uh, the story of Icarus, but from the angle of Daedalus, <laughs> because Icarus also self-inflicted, but Daedalus lost his son just trying to get out of prison or whatever. But this one's also not inflicted by the gods. This is just like the hubris of man, right? Like the gods don't tell make Icarus go high, right? It's Icarus's no, search no. for. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying is to in Icarus is out of the story, self-inflict that I don't feel feel bad for you. But Daedalus, you have to remember it from his side. It was his son that fell to his death. Yeah, it, I mean it's sad, but if not, my son... not quite on the same level as the others. Now Prometheus, I, I'm sorry, I I misspoken. Um, what's the uh, sleep sleep guy? Orpheus. Orpheus, there you go. Orpheus, his wife dies. Yep. He journeys into hell to get her. And they say, you can have her back, but you can't look at her the whole way out of hell. He's like, cool. And then she's just like taunting him and teasing him the whole way out, like begging him to look at her. And he looks back and she turns into a pillar of salt, I believe. Yep. So self-inflicted. <laughs> Why did don't you call him her, the sleep guy? Uh his sleep thing? He no. had some... No, maybe Morpheus, I, maybe, Morpheus is the god of sleep. Maybe I mixed um, him up. Yeah, yeah, but sorry. There's only one was a musician. He was a musician. Yep. That's my mistake. Okay. But, yeah, uh, I was like, where does sleep fall into this? But yeah, Morpheus no, is the god up. of sleep in Sandman. <laughs> but yeah, is he the but, god of sleep anywhere else? But Orpheus, the, the real tragedy is that his wife just dies. But, I mean, we all deal with death. Deal with it. Uh, but the uh, you know the part that is really tragic is self-inflicted. So, But you know what? That story is really great because it's not – it's a test of his patience and his, his uh, willpower – and from what I remember of the story, he is out of the out of hell, but she is still on the line inside of hell when he turns to look at her, and so she turns into the pillar of salt at the like at the barrier, right? So if he just waited a second longer, she would have He's been close. through the threshold. I know he was really close for sure. I feel one. like that's how I remember the story being. But how about the story? I, I've always really loved that story. How about the story of Hephaestus? Okay, well, what is the story of Hephaestus? He was born. <laughs> he was born. He was, born, <laughs> he was born lame, and so his mother threw him from the Mount Olympus. He was ugly. He was ugly. Don't be born ugly. Yeah, be born hot or die. Those are your two options. It was the 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 goddess of a motherhood gave birth to him. Is like, oh, he's got a club foot, and throws him down the tallest mountain in existence. And then he As he lifts right, like learn to fly, dude. Like, <laughs> flap your arms. I mean, the one thing you could say about Hephaestus is he does get literally the most attractive person in existence as his wife. Um, but, I mean, that's, we all know how that goes. But, yeah. Hey, she just cheats on him repeatedly with her own brothers. Sure. I mean, she, <laughs> also, sleeps, she also sleeps with him, but you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not much of a, of, a, um, of a benefit. I mean, so there's, the other two that I'd throw out is I wanted to talk about Io, but we've already kind of touched on her, which again is just all she did yeah. was have a god she fall got... in love with her. And she was like, okay, cool. And then suddenly she's a cow that has to run. Well, the, how, but there are so many of those that are like that. Like, I can't remember all of them, but there's like so many that it's like Zeus raped this woman and then Hera turned her into a bird. <laughs> and it's just like, what? <laughs> so she did nothing wrong and this like it they it got punished. Like what a horrible story. What is the point? What is the like moral of this story that they're trying to teach us? It's just like, yeah, women, you <laughs> shit sucks. Don't get raped. Yeah, don't be a woman because so, yeah, just like what the fuck? So there's there's two other ones. One of the ones that I think is up there is Calypso which is she is the daughter of Atlas, who was the general of the Titans and the Titanomachy. And simply because she refused to pledge, pledge fealty for the gods, her punishment is to be put on an island forever. Terrible. Yeah, I she mean, has to live on a freaking she island. She has invisible uh. servants. 
and she's just there forever alone. Is oh my she God, not the one that has the animal servants? That's seriously. She like turns people. Oh, seriously, that's her. No, so she's oh, this... literally got invisible servants that can't talk to her. So imagine just living immortality alone with like a uh, 5,000 square foot island. God, this paradise is such a prison. I'm so miserable. Is it a paradise? Like, it's just nothing to do there. I that Don't tell me you wouldn't be bored out of your mind in a day. But yeah, I'd be a little bored. I'd be a little bored. But if, if you want to go... It'd be uh, a couple days, but yeah, I'd be bored eventually. Yeah, I'd get a little bored. But that, to be honest, though, I'm bored and there's nothing but things to do in my in my life. So I think there's worse things. Just saying. Um, I bet you Hercules would beg to Hercules would beg to go to that island. What about Arachne? Beg. Is Arach- I know Arachne, Brian, your thing, self inflicted. But her her <laughs> so punishment her, she is pretty tough. Of, she had a little bit of hubris. Uh, the one that you really should be arguing is Medusa. I think she got punished for just being hot. Right. What someone called her as beautiful as Aphrodite, and Aphrodite's so, like mm, not anymore. Yeah. So the difference is, Arachne was a very talented weaver, I believe. And, yeah, and she challenged. And she I think Athena. challenged Athena or one of them. Athena's real harsh, dude. And like, like I think beat her or was getting close to beating her, and they just turned into a spider. And no, then, she she got beat by Athena, hung herself, and then oh, there you go. And then in and then. Athena yeah, so self pity on her and turned her into a, a spider. Self inflicted. Medusa uh, was just hot, I believe. Medusa was uh, a, a handmaiden at the temple of Aphrodite, where Poseidon took notice of her. And there's two different stories: either she willingly had sex with them, or in one specific poet's retelling, he just raped her. And the fact that she tried to resist him, Aphrodite was like, "Oh, you think you're too good to have sex with a god?" Um, and Either way, uh, whether oh you're hot and you don't want to fuck me, I guess it's time to turn into a snake monster. And, um, and the two Gorgon sisters already existed, so they just added her as the third Gorgon. What are the two Gorgon sisters? So, so what are the other two? Are they I mean, the they're, they're wh- identical except for they're immortal? Gorgon, uh, Medusa's the only one that's that can get killed. Oh, okay. Um, interesting. I. Uh, what about Persephone? Like forced into marriage with the god of the underworld. She's the goddess of the springtime and forced to live in hell for all eternity just because Hades wanted her. Yeah. That's pretty that's pretty tragic. I I would say I mean there's there's a a modern kind of version of looking at Hades that says that Hades isn't necessarily a terrible guy compared to the rest of the gods, that his only real transgression is kidnapping Persephone. Um, but right. So just because his, just by virtue of him being the leader of hell does not make him inherently evil. And, and, and I would say that the stories, like if anything, Zeus is like the god that you don't want to be dealing with. Like Hades doesn't seem like Hades seems relatively fair, but that I mean, it's a pretty big transgression in my mind. <laughs> taking just like taking a woman uh, against her will, but um, yeah, I think that that's an interesting one. Brian, did you have any other ones before we dive into like what Hercules's story is? And I, I no. put one up for a comparison. No, no, Jeff. I'm ready to ready to win. Do you have any that you think that can run, run toe to toe with Hercules? Because I got one that I think is pretty close. Uh, well, let's have the conversation. We'll see where we go. Okay, I got. I'm gonna put Oedipus up because Oedipus has a pretty not great story for anyone involved. Like every single person involved is. It's pretty upsetting to think about, right? Like. Uh, does anyone want to say I can, I can get the summary um, he's born to a king who has been was well, born to a king and queen uh, the king has been told by uh, the uh, oracle at Delphi that her that he was destined to be murdered by his son so um, he orders for his son to be murdered when the baby is born and instead he's stolen away and hidden and raised by farmers outside of town and then eventually grows up to uh, kill his dad and fuck his mom. Um, that's a that's quick breakdown of, of everything. I would say that all three people involved in that story get 
get pretty wrecked for no reason from what i understand like it doesn't really seem like anybody deserved what happened to him they all just kind of get that premonition and it happens to him and i would say that that's relatively tragic whereas i think hercules just sounds like a dog of a dude and uh, he deserved everything that he got and so did his dumbass kids <laughs> just kidding <laughs> um any thoughts on that any discussion or oedipus is tragic for sure and there's even more, like when you get into Antigone and and all of his children, the, all this, like the curse continues. Uh, all right. of all of his children continue to get fucked for the next like thirty years, uh, and for for seemingly no reason. I tried to research it to some extent. Like I was just like, why did this happen? And it just it all basically comes back to the oracle had this prophecy, and it's just like, but but what did he do to deserve it? Like what did the king do? And I, I didn't really find an answer for it. So, yeah. I think that one, because that one was actually written as like a play, um, was more about being able to tell a poignant story. And I think it is a strong story. It is a fun like story arc. Uh, I don't know if it's fun. I might want to retract that. But um, it is definitely... You didn't uh, think that that was fun? Could, it was a good story arc. It was high quality <laughs> uh, for the time. So I, I don't know if it's... A, like it's not necessarily part of like the green mist where they're trying to teach you to do something. No one's like, Hey, if you're a farmer, don't murder the King and fuck the queen. She might be your mom. Like that's not a story that most Greeks had to be learned at a young age. Um, <laughs> Make sure to get like a DNA test before you sleep with any women. <laughs> get that 23 and me. Um, I don't know, Brian, do you think that that, do you want to give why you think Hercules is so tragic before we really compare them or? Sure. I mean, Hercules, uh, to my knowledge was just a great hero who, uh, his real tragedy was, you know, that Zeus cheated with his mama and pissed off his wife because Hera just became this vengeful person, but because she couldn't take it out on Zeus, she decided to take it out on Herc. Um, and that culminated in her, filling him with a rage that forced him like forced him or like induced him into like a madness where he killed his whole family with his bare hands and then when he comes to he is given 12 labors as punishment as if he had done something wrong and so he spends self-inflicted to me so he spends most of the rest of his life serving other people and carrying out other people's horrible tasks for something that he didn't even do. I mean, he's like Hephaestus level, like, you know, just his tragedy stems from the, you know, being a product of his birth, unfortunate birth circumstances. And yet it's worse because he literally murders his wife and kids with his bare hands and then spends the rest of his life paying for that. Like as if he did something. Yeah, I would say that his is tough for sure. But I think that it's, I don't know. I, I'd say that these two are pretty much one-to-one. That neither of them really seem to have any cause. I'd say that the tragedy in them is both inher- like inherent in both aspects. And I don't think that any one of them is better. I, I mean, I guess at least... Uh, <laughs> at least Oedipus got laid, you know what I mean? But... <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was his mom, so it's not great, but what, what, Jeff? Yeah, I just, uh, I think the, the tough thing for me with Hercules is he gets more attention than any other Greek, any of the other uh, Greek myth heroes that we hear. Because he, he has superpower. He has multiple loves. Like, he continues to fall in love after this whole instant tragic, like, this might be his origin story, but, like, he continues to have an actual redemption arc with the 14 labors um, or the 12 labors. I don't remember. Um, And uh, continues to fall in love and save people and actually live like the modern day adventuring hero life. Um, So it's hard for me to paint him as this tragic person because he continues to have a decently long life. I mean, he journeys into hell like three different times and comes back each time Um, compared to other people. I, I think that, his suffering is short. Yeah. His suffering is short. He has to live with that for the rest of his life. 
Well, I also feel like... Which uh, was long. Sure. It's not the same thing as literally being chained to a wall and getting murdered painfully every single day. Like, that is their, that is Prometheus's entire existence. Do you think if you asked Hercules which fate he would take, he would say, I'd rather murder my family? I think that one day into getting his liver picked out, he would say, I chose the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> I should have <laughs> killed my kids. Where them kids? Where them kids? <laughs> I think One torture things a like, really nope. easy thing to agree to before you get tortured. Oh man! Oh, you're yeah. tripping. No way. I definitely wouldn't want to live either Oedipus's, Prometheus's, or Hercules. I'm just picturing the greatest of all heroes being one day and being like, "Oh my god! Oh no, that's horrible! I can't give me them kids." <laughs> Um. Yeah, that's tough. Now, if Hercules, I do think that if Hercules' story was that he had to kill his kids every day for the rest of his life, like they kept yeah. coming back to life and he kept having to kill them, then we get some. Now it's now we're talking. You know what I mean? But he's not having to relive it every day. See, with Oedipus, he had kids with his mom. And then he had to raise those kids. <laughs> so he had to look at them every day and know that those came from his weird incestuous relationship that he had with his own mother. I mean, that's torture. He grew up in a society where half of the gods were, uh, all of the gods were born through incest. So like, was that really yeah. that torturous for the time? Like he was like, oh, I like uh, Dionysius is the child of Persephone and Zeus. Like that's, it's his own, like Zeus has had sex with his own daughter to produce Dionysius. Um, who then was sacrificed as a baby and then brought back to life, which is a whole other thing. But um, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I think at the time that the story was written, they were like, oh, this is like kind of tragic for a human to do it because they're different than gods. But um, incest was just a normal thing in that story. I think it's also being tricked into the incestuous relationship. And I think incest even was looked down upon. I think that the incest of the gods was more of like that purity that of like co- that yeah purity of a bloodline uh divine right things like that that were so prevalent like they there was something about that divinity that separated them from humankind i still think incest was not necessarily i mean even throughout time incest has always been looked down upon by like this like common man it's yeah. only like the royals who did it right like it wasn't like normal people outside of kentucky have ever married their brother and sister it's pretty much only people down there <laughs> um sorry any kentuckians that listen throwing some some heat your yeah, way like you throw it um, like kentucky's only been around for what like 200 years <laughs> yeah but they've always done it <laughs> there's something in the water down there <laughs> a little bit over 200 by the way our bicentennial was 1976 so yeah, before this movie that we talked about today kentucky wasn't one of the ogs uh, well, it existed. The land, the space has existed for years. But guys. the state, it's not like it just. But not the Kentuckians you're shitting on. <laughs> are you saying, yeah, are you saying the Native Americans who also inhabited Kentucky? You're just saying that the the area that Kentucky existed upon is where incest occurred. You don't know that they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you're the one making the claim. I don't know. I don't put Hercules or Oedipus up there, honestly, in the top three as far as suffering. Oh, wait, what? Are you oh kidding me? Oh my god. What is it? Prometheus, Prometheus, Prometheus to you? <laughs> Answer the question. I would put I would put Hephaestus's pain up there higher than I know up this Dude, I would, Hephaestus is tough because he get he oh my knows god. he's get he gets cheated on and he's immortal. So he it's gets, time he gets, everlasting. He gets thrown off a mountain when he's first born. Do you remember getting your umbilical cord cut? Like like, yeah, it's just a thing. Right. It was just pain that came with being born, and then he gets to marry the hottest chick in in universe, and watch her bang. He gets cucked yeah. nightly, but he's b- into it. by his brothers. <laughs> but he's into it. <laughs> <laughs> but he's into it. So I don't welcome. think he is. I don't think they've ever written it <laughs> where he's like holding the camera while it happens. You know what I mean? <laughs> point, point is, is his suffering. I mean, he also nowhere close. I was going to say, I mean, he lived also his entire adolescence outside of Mount Olympus before eventually he was allowed to come back in. Where Zeus was like, all right, fine, you're hideous, but you can make me some cool weapons as long as I don't have to fucking look at you. Here, go make one of my kids this weird mechanical owl. (laughs) So I'm going to say again, 
had to murder your whole family and then spend the rest of your life atoning for that murder, even though it wasn't your fault. Yeah. I mean, I already Living I lived that life. life. It's not that bad. Um, oh, you're sick. You're sick. So, I don't know. Do, any, do we have any any other ones that we wanted to throw out there? trying to think of if there's another i was i was thinking maybe medea um jason from jason the argonauts wife like he royally screws her over like there's a whole tragedy written about her medea Mm -hmm. medea Mm -hmm. um it's literally written about her life and how tyler perry right she yeah no like an actual greek tragedy literally written about her and how she like spends the second part of her life just with a vendetta against Jason for like tooting and booting essentially. <laughs> I remember she like Medea murders her own kill. She like murders her into... own children as a way to like say f you to him. Doesn't she go into madness like over it? Like I thought. I, think the I, I remember about her being mad as shit. No, like madness is in like insanity. No, that's what I'm saying. Like mad, like off her rocker. Like she murders her own kids just to say fuck you. It's crazy. But again, self-inflicted, kind of like Hephaestus jumping off that mountain when he was a baby. Jumping? Um, Hephaestus <laughs> jumping. He just said, "I'm too ugly." <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah, I don't really remember Medea's story super well, but I remember what I remember of it is that like hers is like a a story of madness but what about i have one last one to talk about before we leave and the only reason that this one didn't make it in is because it's like one of the only ones that ends up having like a happy ending and it's king midas his story is tragic to a point but then they reverse it depends on the yeah self-inflicted but in most accounts it's reversed and he brings his daughter back um most of these stories center on a singular concept like hubris or greed hercules doesn't have that it's just he just got hosed okay i don't know man hercules is see i think hercules is depicted as quite a douchebag you know what i mean like he's the kind of guy who would be like making fun of like you know the nerd or something is this and so i think he got he what deserved. he deserves <laughs> oh i knew that was coming <laughs> i knew you were gonna say it. you're sick you're right. sick how do you i sleep think those kids night? deserve to die as a father of a newborn, how do you sleep at night quite poorly but that's because of my son <laughs> so like let's get what you deserve I, I got one more that just popped I, in my I head i probably do the, yeah. you guys do you guys are familiar with the story of the minos uh the king with, with the minotaur yeah his do, son becomes the minotaur do you know how his son how, how his son became the minotaur uh, uh he was fucking io <laughs> <laughs> not quite so in the bull so so minos was a, a king uh, bulls are male <laughs> so <laughs> so minos was a king uh I forgot what t- what city he ruled over. I have it up right here. Uh, Knossos, uh, Knossos, K N O S S O S. Um, I think it's just Knossos. And he uh, he was king of Knossos and was a great conqueror. And ended up like Zeus ended up not liking him, and so Zeus ended up while he was away on conquest making his wife fall in love with his prize bull. Which so the, the, God again the women being punished for horrible. just for existing. So I he don't comes understand. Home from conquest. His wife gives uh. birth to a, a a half man half bull creature. So he kidnaps Daedalus and forces him to build a labyrinth to house his son. And then goes back out on conquest. He has one elder son who ends up dying on that conquest to the to the city of Thebes. And so then he conquests Thebes and says, every nine years, you're going to send me nine boys and nine girls. I'm going to put them into the labyrinth to feed to my last living son. Uh, this, You know what? And then this actually, this whole story is tragic because we already talked about Icarus and Daedalus's problem, right? It's like, it's like a punishment of fathers, right? Because then uh, Minos mm-hmm. brings Theseus, whose father is Aegeus. Mm-hmm. And then as 
Theseus, after he kills the bull and Minos, as I remember, he's on his way back and forgets to change the sail color, and Aegeus throws himself out of his tower into the sea, which na- then they name the Aegean Sea after him. So it's just like, dad's getting fucked, <laughs> and, and, and like their wives just being tortured needlessly. And he also fell in love with Minos' daughter, who, while they were stopping on an island, uh one of the gods of the wind ended up blowing the ship away where his wife then starved to death on the island. And, <laughs> and he was grieving over her death. That's why he forgot to change the sail, which then his father committed suicide. Cool. Yeah, man. The Greeks have really <laughs> fucked up stories. A very cool, pretty cool group of people. Um, which is interesting. Cause I don't know if you've ever met any Greek people. They're all, pretty fun to hang out with and they like to drink and i i like them quite a lot but man the ancient greeks were fucked up people <laughs> um, all right i think we can wrap it up and uh move on to what is clever um brian what have you been watching reading listening to that you'd like to uh share sure um the i gave your documentary a shot that uh GME, uh, the, the whole uh, situation on Netflix about uh, GameStop and how it all unfolded a couple years back. Uh, highly entertaining. I was dying laughing at their use of memes and GIFs because uh, that really, I think, sums up what happened. I mean, like, you, I, I was going on, you know, I work for a financial investment firm, uh, or I was working there at the time and still am, and we can't actively day trade in the way that was happening. So it was just, I was more of a quiet observer, but was, was very much enjoying just the community on wall street bets and just the insanity and the lack of logic that was going into what was happening. And it was just like the guy I was, I I very much enjoyed. There was a guy in the documentary that uh, they all hated on and were like, Oh, you know, this is just another one of those corporate dudes. And he like when they interviewed him, he was like, "Dude, I'm like the OG version of you guys. I've been I've been making my fortune betting against Wall Street, and like all that happened in this situation was I said that GME there was no logic behind investing in GME, and then the internet just ate him alive. It, like, fucking yeah, man. I liked like, the interview where he was like, party. "This is not gonna last long. Don't put your money in it. Yeah. You're gonna be taken for a sucker. You're gonna lose everything." Yeah. And then like the the chat is just like blowing this up. dude. They're just yeah. like all just like hating <laughs> on him to the moon. Yeah, and I was just <laughs> yeah. like. I was like, man, like I felt bad for him because he was literally like, dude, I've literally spent my career doing exactly what you guys do, which is like betting against the big corporations. And yet he found himself on the wrong side because he couldn't understand that the whole movement was about, you know, doing it regardless Anarchy. of what the doing it, it literally regardless of what the logic yeah. said. Yeah, it was just about flipping the bird to corporations and hedge funds. And like it, there was just, this is like a simple beauty to it that it was like people were willing to unite in the thousands in like throwing their money away just to get a chance to say fuck you to a hedge fund and i my just my favorite is the guy it. who wears his sunglasses through the whole thing and he's like i'm a gambler my dream is <laughs> yeah. to just have a house he was like in covid hit tiktoks I, with hot yeah, babes covid hit and i had nothing to gamble on and he's like, and then I got into Robin Hood and investing. And then at yeah. the end, he like, he yeeted like, <laughs> like half a mil at its, at the peak. And then like Robin Hood stopped. <laughs> and he had to sell his house to cover his losses. It's not funny, but it is. It's so funny <laughs> to me. Like I, so full transparency i was not working at a financial investor at the time i was well i was working at a bank but i was able to day trade and i made a couple grand off of the gme thing because i i remember the morning i woke up and was watching the market and it was like texted brian and jeff and was like yo have you guys seen what's going on with gamestop and it was like 80 bucks and i was like fuck it i'm gonna throw like a couple hundred into this and then it just fucking ramped and i was like i'm selling dude i'm freaking out i'm selling i'm gonna lose everything (laughs) i sold it i I like walked away with a couple grand i was like that's fine i'm happy with it that's amazing that's the best you can hope for in this situation yeah and then it all watching it all unfold i was like holy shit i'm so glad i got out when i did but yeah man it's pretty funny um overall not that good of a documentary but if you are interested in how the market works and like short squeezes and just all of that 
um there's actually two documentaries about this yeah one i think was on hbo max and i do not remember what it was called but it wasn't that good it was okay um it more talked about first of all the idiots that that drove the investing craze um and then it talked about naked short selling which is pretty apparent that's what was happening and like that that second episode is very good um and then this one i think was entertaining all the way through and did a good job culture a little bit i think i i agree and i think it also was more explanatory just like the general like mentality mm-hmm. that was going into it and I, right. I found that more interesting um, yeah. i also like that it was just like one hour and a half long like documentary just like short and sweet get everything out but yeah it was good anything um, else uh, yeah other than that for me uh absolutely loving rings of power i'm upset that it's the first season's ending next week oh I'm just, my god i'm just hanging on every scene right now uh yeah. i think they've done a phenomenal job and it's just been getting better and better uh and on the flip side of that, House of Dragon been running at the same time is getting better. I think the last two episodes were both enjoyable. The most recent episode, definitely a lot of tension. Uh, but, dude, I need, I need some goddamn dragon fights. I, so I'm, is next season... So I haven't watched last night's episode of House of the Dragon yet. But is next season going to be just this just the storyline of the dance like the beginning of the dance of dragons are we gonna get I thought we were getting that this or, season I don't, I don't know is it well there's supposed to be 10 episodes so we should get two more episodes i think um or maybe there's only nine i can't remember but i guess i'm just i'm hoping that i still think that this the bones of this show can support like a good story I, I don't need to say it again, but I'm fucking sick of the time jumps, man. Like, I just want to just, like, settle in with some characters. I'm sick of every week having to remind my wife which character is what. Just because, yeah, like, it, I... It time jumps again. I know it does. I I saw the trailers. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I know. And I'm going to have to explain to her which one is which person again. Because so many different people, they change actors every two episodes. And it's driving me nuts. Jeff thoughts on either of those again i'm not i'm one episode behind on uh house of the dragon but i'm three episodes behind on house of dragons as of yesterday um i just i don't know wasn't enjoying it but i'm sure i'll watch it eventually so we can talk about oh it, okay so are you dropping off no for i'll a watch while, it or are I just, you just not keeping i just up? don't have the passion to watch it to be honest i'd rather watch rick and morty i'd rather watch rings of power and i'd rather watch other things that are going on right now so um i'll watch it just not my priority uh rings of power though I was just amazed. Last week's cinematography was literally mind-blowing to me. Um, Last week as in the Undune or the one after? Uh, last Thursday's episode where they're covered in uh, like the hair and makeup of them. Yeah. With just like the, the obscurity of the beginning of the episode. Climbing through the ash. Yeah, that was pretty intense. I mean, it, Apparently, they didn't use green yes. screen at all. I read. I, was, I told Brian. I don't know how they would have done that. Good. Go ahead. That's even more amazing. I told Brian that level of cinematography is what we should have seen for the long night for the end of Game of Thrones. Like long night was so obscure, so hard to watch. I couldn't tell. This one was very clear to the viewer what was happening, but it was also very clear that the characters could not tell what was going on. I think it was brilliantly done. Every single character was covered head to toe in ash. It was just, it was, I was fucking amazed. Um, Probably, probably one of the most visually cinematic scenes I've seen in a TV show, maybe ever. Cool, Brian. You have any anything else to say on Rings of Power? Or just nope, just super high quality, loving every second. I have nothing to complain about on it. Love it. Go watch cool. it if any, you're not. Anything else that you've been watching? We're back to me. Yeah. Uh, nope. That's that's kind of it for me right now. Cool, Jeff. Jeff. Um, yeah, I don't have much to add. I, uh, I've been pretty quiet this week. Um, so I, I just don't have anything. Just those ones, Rick and Morty and, and the Rick and Morty rings of power. Um, yeah, that's about it. Cool. Um, I will say I've been watching all those. I also am keeping up with Andor and really liking Mm it. Um, did you check it out finally, Jeff? Yeah, I'm caught up. I think. Are you liking it? I like it a lot. Yeah, I think it's probably the best Disney Plus Star Wars thing. Like, honestly, The Mandalorian is good. I like The Mandalorian, but this is like, 
I feel like on another level, like it's like it's stepped up in qual- like in quality, and I really think that they need to be going in this direction with all their Star Wars shit from now on because yeah, um, it's what we sh- this sort of vibe is what Kenobi should have been, and I'm bummed that we didn't get this level of quality for Kenobi to be honest. Um, not that I dislike Kenobi, it just wasn't as good as this. Um. I also watched a 30 for 30 uh, called Of Miracles and Men, which is the story of the uh, the miracle on ice, but from told by the Russian team. Um, for those who don't know, it's from the 1988 Olympics, I believe. Uh, the amateur miracle? U.S. Yeah, Miracle. Miracle 80, on ice. 1980. Lake Plus. Is that what it was? Yeah, that's right. 80. Um, so it's the story of that but told by the russians and like told about like just like yeah i don't i don't know how else to explain it but um very very good the 30 for 30 documentaries are really amazing um so i highly recommend that and then that's about it i you know spend a lot of time with my son lately so not as many movies and tv shows unfortunately uh but I get to pick the movie for next week, and we are officially moving into our uh, October season. I don't. Uh, we're going into spooky season, guys. It's time to make Jeff watch some scary movies. Um, so, for the first horror movie that we are going to watch, um, we're going to watch 1982's The Thing. By John Carpenter, starring Kurt Russell. Um, I only recently saw this movie in the last like five years for the very first time. I had avoided watching it for a really long time, and uh, it actually is the reason that I started watching horror movies. Is because I was like, "Oh, this is what horror movies are." Can I submit so, an enthusiastic petition for us to get out of the '80s and get back to modern times? You can pick a movie from any time. I'm just choosing this movie. Like you can pick a horror movie from any time you want. It doesn't I have to be you. 80s horror. I hate you. This movie is really good. I think you guys will like it. But I just happen to really like movies from the 80s and 90s. So a lot of my selections will probably be there. But um, I'll let you pick whatever. Brian, you can pick the... Or no, Jeff is next. the next season, I think. Um, after horror. But anyway... You guys just, it's just horror from whenever, whatever time period you want. Okay. Cool. Jeff, thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I'll watch it. Uh, I've already got okay. my movie picked out, so. Oh, geez. I really want to know what it is, but I know you're going to withhold it. Cool. Um, all right. Cool. Sounds good. Well, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll see you next week uh, to talk about the thing. Thanks, everybody. Bye, Bye guys. Thank you for listening to the Clever Kids Podcast. If you want more from us, be sure to follow us on social media. We're at Clever Kids Pod everywhere. Or you can get in touch with us at cleverkidspodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And be sure to rate us on whatever app you're listening on and recommend us to a friend. We really appreciate it. Or don't. Whatever's clever. <laughs>